Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks again for joining me today on another episode of Spilling the Tea, a Pico podcast. I was joined today by Sarah Langway, and she is a realtor with Trillium West Realty brokerage out in Guelph. So she spoke a little bit about her background. Uh, she's got a really interesting story because she's got this background that is uh, rooted in science and nature, but then she's also got this drama and, and art background, and then you throw in some psychology. So it makes for a really interesting conversation where we jump into sort of what's going on in, in the Guelph market, some of the analytics that she's uh, um, she's been able to uncover, and then some pointers for anyone that's looking to buy or sell in this changing market. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, and if you do, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. I'll catch you on the next one. I don't have one of those things that I can like clap to uh, <laughs> just pretend I had one. Uh, you should get one. That'd be I know, really fun. I know. Maybe, Maybe I'll do a crap. sub goal, you know, 100 subs on YouTube. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll get the clapper. We'll crowdfund a clapper for me. Uh, like um, anyway, uh, thanks again, guys, for joining me on another episode of Spilling the Tea, a Pico podcast. I am your host, Dan Johannes. And today I am joined by Sarah Langway. Uh, Sarah is a real estate uh, agent with, and she's licensed with Trillium West Real Estate Brokerage out in Guelph. Um, so originally Sarah uh, grew up in Oakville and then she found herself um, over at the University of Guelph. She graduated with a degree in biological science and then uh, decided to stay. So she's been in Guelph for the last 15 years. And I guess in 2018, she was able to achieve her goal of home ownership and starting a family. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Sarah, for joining us today on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to jump in a little bit on, on your journey and how you got into real estate. Thank you so much for having me. It was just a pleasure to be invited. Yeah, no problem. So I want to get into this because this is really interesting. You had mentioned that you grew up in Oakville, which obviously Oakville is, um, you know, a much larger sort of city. Uh, I've got family out in Oakville as well, too. But um, you spent a lot of your summers up in sort of off grid northern Ontario, which is so, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, a different vibe, obviously, uh, going up there for summers. And then um, yeah. So how was that? How was that transition going from Oakville to the middle of nowhere? To me, it was like the best thing on earth. Like I literally could not wait until like the last day of school where the van would pick me up and we would drive three and a half hours and then I'd have like the best time ever. And there wasn't really like TV or, you know, we were just literally outside in bare feet the whole time and like yeah. best friends with the neighbors, you know, it was like a childhood dream. Right. Um, and then I would come home in September, not knowing any of the trends that happened over the summer, the movies people saw, the clothes, like the music. I just felt like an alien a little bit every September. Wow. <laughs> so you're like completely disconnected. Like I, we, I did, <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah. Um, honestly, like as I'm neurodivergent, I have ADHD and I find it really good to disconnect completely and like just have my feet be in dirt. <laughs> Yeah. It really helps me. Yeah, it keeps it grounded. And I, I feel like in this sort of like day and age, we all we can get distracted uh, so easily with everything around us. And, um, you know, technology, like yesterday, I forgot my phone at home and I was just going to the grocery store, but it felt like, you know, I, I, I like 
yeah, part of me was not there. And I was like panicking and I'm like, it's just a phone. It's okay. 20 years ago, this was not an issue. Um, so to, and, and, you know, it's interesting during the, um, uh, the lockdown or the last two years where it's been sort of, uh, we, we've had to kind of isolate. Um, I, I noticed that there was a big trend in people sort of looking and admiring those that were able to go off grid or, you know, start up YouTube channels that were all about like self-reliance and just, so it's kind of neat to see that you actually experienced that you lived that for summers and uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's like what childhood is to me. So like, it's definitely a huge goal of mine to give my daughter as many of those experiences as I can. And just, I find the the four hour drive, it's now a four hour drive to be excessive. So yeah, yeah. yeah, kind of floating around Ontario and, you know, I don't know if Guelph is home forever, but kind of always feels like that Northern Ontario feels like the home the most because that's where I've always kind of gone back to. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where you sort of, reconnect. Um, yeah. And I think everyone should do that, you know, spend some time just away. I did this a few years ago. I've got, uh, uh, I think I mentioned off camera for four brothers. So, you know, we all kind of uh, decided one year, let's go camping in Algonquin. And we just grabbed our backpacks. We got in canoes and one entire week, the most difficult part was the buildup to like, how do you disconnect from your business and your friends and everything else? And then just enjoy it. And it takes a little bit of time to, to really fully um, um, be at peace with that and just be like, okay, it's just us out here. But then when you do, it's like, wow, it opens up a whole new world and you just come back completely refreshed. So I would recommend anyone that uh, has thought about doing it to, to definitely take some time to just disconnect and get off grid. That's awesome. Especially in Algonquin or in that area. Like my cottage is at the entrance to Algonquin. Oh, no way. It's in Almaguen Highlands. So yeah, the whole area is like unbelievable. You will have a spiritual experience for sure. (laughs) So did that kind of um, play into your um, sort of next, I guess, journey where you went to the University of Guelph and then you majored in what is it, biological science and microbiology? Like you were very much science and nature. So what was your... Yeah, what led you down that road? I actually um, started in psychology just because I thought that's what I wanted to do. But then Mm. I realized like I just found the bio courses so much more interesting and like relevant. I was definitely that kid that was like picking leaves apart and picking flowers apart and like wanting to know how everything worked and picking up toads and (laughs) like, you know, it it just was suited to my talents, I guess. And I just thought if I have to spend four years getting through school, I might as well do something that is fun and exciting and I enjoy naturally. So um, yeah, if any of your viewers are ever wondering, like, should I switch majors? Like I switch majors multiple times, just do it, do what makes you happy, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's some great advice because, you know, I think entering when you kind of leave high school, a lot of us don't know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And but yet I felt like the next step was to kind of, okay, well, university, and uh, I actually went to the University of Guelph, too. But it was one of those things where I didn't, I wasn't sure of what I wanted to do. And then I kind of found my path and my calling uh, a little bit later on. But um, yeah, I I think that's, uh, uh, that's some great advice, too. But I would also say I think the psychology part, um, probably helps you in sort of this line of work and being in real estate, right? Especially maybe with negotiations or just consumer, just behavioral patterns and stuff too. Totally. It totally helps. It's kind of scary, like to, 
to know people not that well, but be able to like sense things about them and know what, what buttons not to mm-hmm. push. I'm sure you see this in your line of work as well, because talking to people about their finances is just so intensely personal and yes. they can take it really personally. You can have these like really intense conversations between couples and stuff like that. So yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You almost find you're in the middle sometimes. Like I, I've noticed that too. It's, and it, it's interesting you speak on that because when it comes to sort of the financing and opening up books, uh, sometimes you have to be very careful, uh, even with, uh, you know, partners that are going in together. Um, they may not know each other's finances. So it's something that you have to be very mindful of. And interesting enough, um, most of the time, uh, it's actually more difficult to get your family to trust you on on doing the finances than it is other people, right? Because there's that familiarity and the closeness. So I, that's one of the things we hear a lot is that mortgage agents, mortgage brokers, they can't, they can't do their family's business for the life of them. But a lot of it just has to come, that has to do with sort of the resistance with that, um, which is, which is also interesting. I wish I, I kind of continued with the psychology courses, but I think I, I, after year one, it was, I was done. Um, but We're okay, so there. Can what, take yeah, that's true. Yeah, continuing it, <laughs> right? I could, I could always do that. Uh, so, so you came back to so after university, you stayed in Guelph and you called that home, uh, yes. which is awesome because as a realtor in Guelph, you really know the local market, and that was one of the things when I moved from Toronto to KW, realizing that you know. Um, it's really important that you work with a realtor that knows the local market that's grown up there, that lives there, that does business there. It's because uh, they know sort of, you know, maybe some of the pockets you, you want to look into and stay away from and, and just things in general with, uh, with that community. Would you say that that's also important in your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just like touching on the family thing, sorry, go, to go back to that. Yeah. Um, I've experienced that a lot as well. I find like, it's really tough. The family deals are always a bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I just find that you'll have some clients that to you, they're family, but to your family, like someone else is that person, you know, and you just kind of have to point. like, accept that some clients think of you as family. And it's like someone you just met randomly at an open house or at some random event but like to you, they're your person and kind of just embracing those people, you know? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I had a similar experience and, and Alex, if you're watching this, this is about you. So I actually, years ago when I got into um, mortgage brokering, I went into an open house. It was actually in a condo in the neighborhood I lived in. And it was one of those things where I walked in and it was just instant connection with the guy. We hit it off as friends and we've stayed friends throughout this. We traveled to like Iceland together. Uh, He was at my wedding. Like it just turned into just like a a friendship. Right. And, and in, in many cases, yeah, it's, it's great to see when, when, yeah, you, you, you have these people that come into your life that are actually uh, as close, if not sometimes closer than some family members. So so true okay and even if like you you um want to use a local agent but um someone else is like special to you and they're not exactly local as long Mm. as that agent has access to the data I would just recommend like asking the agent that you want to work with like do you have access to the local data here can you see what everything on this street has sold for because the agents coming from Toronto they can't see that data they have a totally different sharing system uh, That's like a good for point. data. So they have Stratus and they, so I post all my listings on both the local system and the Toronto system. So those agents can come out and see it, but 
you know, if you're working with a Toronto agent and trying to buy in Kitchener, you're not seeing all of the inventory. So to your, mm. to what you're saying, yes, it is better to work with someone local, but it doesn't always have to be super intensely local, like as long as they have access to the same data. But again, if you want to know what like the primo location is in like downtown Guelph, then yes, a downtown Guelph agent would definitely be one you want to go with for sure. Yeah. So that's interesting because I mean, you've got a background in research, report writing, uh, statistical analysis, all that sort of stuff. And I would imagine that, uh, that background probably really helps you in digging in into the, the numbers part of things. Right. And just kind of getting a better sense of not only what the, what those numbers are, but how to interpret it and how to make sense. Yeah, honestly, like I categorize it in my brain as like, we are in a 2017 market or we're in a 2020 market or yeah. like, I just remember what the, what stuff was like in those years. And I kind of can categorize it. And I'm noticing right now, like maybe you're seeing this too, but like pricing just seems to be kind of back where it was in 2020. I don't know if you're seeing that too, but that, that peak we had in February, it's non-existent. And I don't know if those uh, appraisals are coming in, honestly. Um, we're seeing some more appraisals not coming in, buyers yeah. walking away from deposits, extending the closing because they haven't sold their current home. We're starting to see all those things that came up in 2017, yeah. um, but a little bit worse because the peak was hotter, right? Like the higher we go, the worse we have to Yeah, so Yeah, that drops a little bit. I don't know bit. if you've noticed that on your end, but... Definitely, yeah. yeah. And, and just to speak on the appraisal part, I've mentioned this a few times, um, but that's that's become sort of a, a very hot topic because obviously you have appraisers that have to value that property uh, based off of more conservative values and not only what they paid for it, but what the market market is dictating. And then, um, you know, sort of be conservative in their valuation uh, and mindful of where the market's going. So, um, you know, I've uh, having having clients that offer over asking can often be a, a recipe right now in this market, you really got to do your research and, and understand whether or not that's, that is the true value because anytime you've got a difference between appraised value and your purchase price, the bank's taking the lower of the two. So that means, oh, yeah, yeah you, you're going to have to come up with the extra money. In fact, one of my neighbors um, sold his house and they had to delay closing for almost a month while the new buyers scrambled to figure out where the rest of the money was going to come from. So yeah, it's unfortunate. And I think that's why it's so important. Someone like you that kind of digs into the, uh, the numbers and can really understand, okay, well, this is what's going on in the backyard. Like this is uh, the market we're dealing with today. You can make a more informed decision when it comes to buying. So um, yeah. Yeah. So talk Sorry, to me ahead. a little bit what your next question is. <laughs> it's all good. I just want to talk a little bit about that. So we're talking about buyers. Tell, maybe walk me through the process. If a buyer was going to be working with you, like what's, what's the process with working with Sarah? Um, usually we would meet either on Zoom or in person lately has been nice. Um, I go have a lot of things that I go over. I honestly, I'm here to make sure that we're a good fit, not necessarily to like desperately find you a home to buy. Sometimes people don't realize that they're not quite ready yet. And then I refer them to someone like you who can help them make sure they're 
really stable and ready to purchase. Um, so that's the number one first thing I talk to before we look at any houses, before we do any kind of shopping. We can talk about houses you like, of course, but there's no real sense to go shopping and fall in love with a house if you haven't spoken to someone about your finances yet, like someone qualified, not just like the mortgage calculator, you know. I think a lot of our clients are guilty of that and just thinking, oh, I can I can go see this house. But um, yeah, I get pretty firm about that. Um, and then just, I have a whole list of things I go over, like things that clients never realize are deal breakers until they're in a house without that thing. And they're like, didn't even think to ask for air conditioning. And here I am in a house without it, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, once the their financer is happy with the situation and we have like an approximate purchase price that we can go for we start to shop around in this market I would shop around that price point we're seeing lots of houses get their prices dropped right now so it is certainly a buyer's market especially in Kitchener this past couple weeks um, like statistically a seller's market is above a 0.5 sales to the new listing ratio so that would mean like half of everything that gets listed is sold. And right now Kitchener's at like 0.23, which means like 75% of the listings are sitting on the market and not selling. Oh, wow. That's right, interesting right data. So there's a buyer's market, right? Yeah. The, and, yeah. And, and like, it's not always like that. There's week to week differences. And someday it'll be back up to 0.55, 0.6. Back in the heat, it used to be 1.02. It would be like everything that got listed sold and the stuff that didn't sell last week is also sold. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. really important to watch that sales to new listing ratio, in my opinion, to really know what's going on like week to week in the market. Right. Yeah, so there's having... tons of opportunity right now. So shop about like, don't, don't add hundred K to the list price right now. Like people are listing around market value right now. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, because yeah, it's a very different market and you're right. Like week to week, uh, things are changing. So if you're on top of that data and you're able to kind of like really assess, okay, well, I had no idea that here in, in our backyard in KW that, uh, you know, things are staying on the market a little bit longer than they were yeah. a few weeks ago. So that's great for anyone out there that's looking to buy. Um, this is now an opportunity because you don't have to, um, settle. And that's something I've seen in the past, because part of sort of the vetting is like, obviously we go through all of the, uh, the numbers part, but what kind of area you're looking for? What are you looking for? Semi-detached, uh, detached, uh, you know, so forth. And while I would like to do this, but I know realistically in this market, this is what I can afford. So oftentimes we've seen over the last 24 months, people sort of settling for something. And in this market, it's nice to hear that you've got a little bit more choice out there. Um, so that's great. And then for someone, Sarah, that let's say in this market, instead of buying, they're looking to sell. What would you recommend to someone that is uh, looking to sell their property? Like uh, maybe some things that uh, some tips you could recommend, like a staging, something that's really important. Um, yeah, maybe just speak to them. For sure. I would say in a market like this, where it's a little more um buyers have a bit more power you really need to stand out with the marketing so um trillium west we call ourselves like a marketing company that does real estate we truly do like market the listings um like on the web you will see them follow you around google (laughs) so um i would say having a solid marketing team is essential in that should should be some staging if not a full stage included in the realtor fees we're talking like two two and a half percent the average house is like eight hundred thousand right now you know if you're just putting a sign on the lawn and it's sold in a couple days like buyer sellers are starting to wonder like what are, what are you doing right, right you need to like yeah. demonstrate some value i think sellers also need to adjust expectations 
what the neighbor got down the street in February, you will not get, even if your house is bigger, nicer, newer. It's a different market. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not the same thing anymore. So um, adjusting expectations, keeping up to date with the current market and maybe looking at like the past two year pricing trends rather than what things sold for in February, March. Mm, That's a good point there too. Yeah. It's um, because often, you know, if you've got someone that's sold on your, uh, a neighbor or someone down the street and it was just a few months ago, like you've got that in your, your head that, yeah, I can get the same price um, where those expectations really need to be um, uh, readjusted really in this market. But so I, with, when it comes to staging, I've been to some open houses where you can tell it's really properly staged. And then uh, some it's like, well, you know, who, who staged this or, or what was the, maybe not the best use of, of that, that floor space. Um, I know uh, your background. So before you went to the University of Guelph, you had, uh, you was at an art school, you were in drama. So you've got like this drama art. It's really interesting. Like you've got both sides of the brain firing where it's nature and science <laughs> and then drama and art. I'd imagine all of those skills really come into play to help in, in, in uh, your, you know, uh, your industry here. Absolutely. It is yeah. a jack of all trades industry yeah. and everyone in, in real estate is like, at least everyone at Trillium is like that. Everyone's like so many a, different. a painter and an artist, yeah. a singer, musician, like everyone just had, I think all realtors are like that, you know, like we are just good, uh, sort of good at a bunch of different things. And then we just apply it somehow. And like real estate is great because it's so varied, like from day to day, I could be like, you know, under an old house or I could be in a $4 million mansion, you know, it's so different every day. And I love the variety of it. That's a good point. So what, if you had one superpower, what would you say is your superpower? Um, (laughs) this is so like generic, but I know, uh, know. (laughs) no, 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 not the question. My answer is generic. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I wasn't roasting you. (laughs) No, No, um, I would love to, it sounds generic, but I would love to fly just because I'm learning to fly a plane right now. Like I'm getting my pilot's license. Oh, so am I. That's amazing. Tens of thousands of dollars. You are? Where? What school are you at? I'm at uh, uh, the, yeah, WWFC. So who's your your instructor? We can bleep it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he's no longer there. Uh, So I'm looking. Oh, the turnover in this industry kills me. (laughs) I know. Right. So (laughs) right um, when you get attached to an instructor, they leave. (laughs) This is my second instructor we've gone through too. So I will get there. Uh, It really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll talk more off camera about this, but (laughs) you're, yeah, I mean, it's um, so flying is your superpower. It saved me tens of thousands if I could just hop up and do it. Yeah, I wouldn't have to learn, you know, I could just. You wouldn't even have to hire sort of like those drone operators to do your videos on when you're listing a house. (laughs) You just like, yeah. Luckily, the guy I hire includes it as a package. Like if he's doing photos, he can do drone. But yeah, exactly. It is something I've thought about. I can do my own drone if I (laughs) fly around and take an aerial video. (laughs) So let's talk uh, a little bit here um, on the market because, you know, as the market is changing. So we've talked about what you would, how you'd help buyers, how you'd help sellers. And then, um, but I want to talk about sort of what your experience has been like locally in Guelph and uh, what are you seeing? What are the trends? Because you did mention a little bit about what's going on here in KW, but maybe you can speak a little bit on on what you're seeing uh, right now in the current market. Well, Guelph seems to, okay, 
occasionally when a market's really hot, Guelph kind of fades into the background and people are like, oh, I can get an investment rental in Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. People just start to forget about Guelph. They assume it's too expensive. So the market's kind of chill when it's hot. And then when it's slow, the Guelph market is like, okay, I told you Kitchener was like 0.23 last week, I think. Um, Cambridge was like 0.38, Guelph is 0.45. So we're like the most resilient of the sales to new listing ratios because just we kind of sort of just seem to like not have as many dips and peaks as Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. I'm not really sure why that is. I think it's because we're like an isolated little bubble and KWC is like a little metropolis that it can kind of like, we have sort of insulated data. Um, So I'm not sure if that's why, but, and it's easier for people to look up and be like, okay, you know, Guelph is Guelph. You're not, whereas often you're seeing Kitchener pricing get compared to Cambridge and often you're hearing, oh, I can get the same thing in Cambridge for cheaper. Like it's just harder to argue the pricing. Whereas in Guelph, it's Guelph, you know, we have the university, we have all these industries, we're near the highway, like it's, it sells itself really. So Uh, long-term investment wise, I would choose Guelph over Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. But if you need to buy there to come here, then do that, you know? Right. Lots yeah. Cause really too. the commute commute isn't too bad. Um, how are you noticing, like how, how's rent there? So if someone wanted to buy like an investment property in Guelph, what are we seeing for rent rental prices? Well, rent is kind of staying the same. So I would say for like a detached entire complete home, um, like three beds, two baths, finished basement kind of thing with no one living in the basement, you're looking at like between 25 and three, 3,000, like it's mm. pretty expensive, mm. but if you look at current like mortgage rates and where they're going, like they're increasing by 0.75 fairly soon, that's eliminating an investor buyer group that can no longer get that property for their, the down payment they have, because it's, you know, the mortgage payment's going to be about 3000. So you're, you're really maxing, maxing out that rent value that you're able to get for that property. So it just, I see there was like a small window for investors the past couple of weeks. And I see that um, disappearing going forward. So we might see more of the family buyer. Um, But yeah, that's something I would look out for just, you know, with Mm -hmm. rising interest rates, like, as you know, it's the affordability is kind of going out the window a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point because as the rates start 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 to go up, um, a lot of investors, you know, they, everything is put into a spreadsheet. So you're looking at your debt coverage ratios and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what's you know, how's the cash flow on a property? So it's very much down to to they look at it on a granular level. Where um, I've had clients that have been sitting on the sidelines for like you know a year, year and a half, and they were just like, we don't want to deal with all of the bidding wars and everything else, so we're just going to wait it out. And I had a conversation this morning with a, a client of mine who actually found me on TikTok, and she was saying, she's like, you know, I've been um, I've been waiting on the sidelines for like a year, and for the little extra bump in interest rate, I would much rather do that and go into a market where we're not fighting over whatever's available and just taking what, right? Because they're the way they're kind of, some people are looking at it is like, well, this is a long-term investment. This is my house. This is where I plan on raising a family. So you're not just looking at it simply as an investment that, oh, we're going to buy, renovate and whatever, flip. Uh, we're looking yeah. long-term. This is a community we want to be part of. So uh, I think we're going to start seeing more people come in from the sidelines that realize, you know what? Interest rates are up, but the last 24 months, it's been a very abnormal um, market. If you actually look back at 2019, the end of 2019, our uh, uh, prime rate was sitting at 3.95%. So it was 25 basis points higher than it is today. 
So as of today, we're actually lower than we were going into the pandemic. I know, right? And it's perspective. I know. And it, I, and I also a little bit like just a little smidge a bit worried about, you know, the people who maybe in the past couple of years with the great rates that were available have like refinanced and mm. done a whole bunch of renos or got the RV or something like that. That's yeah. the, those if those houses end up needing to sell, not because they would like to, but sometimes we end up needing to sell for reasons we don't want to. Right. Those people could end up in a bit of a pickle, you know. I'm just that a little true bit too. worried about that going forward. But, yeah. you know, real estate in this area, like if we are going to have a slight dip, it's temporary. It's always temporary. It's yeah. not like we're going to dip forever, you know? Yeah, no, I'm a firm believer of that too. I think, uh, you know, this is an opportunity as the tide turns for people to get in uh, to a market that, you know, it's historically, it's always been a fairly safe investment. Um, safer than Bitcoin right now <laughs> or NFTs. So yeah. honestly, anyway. yeah, I had written down here that we should probably touch on crypto at some point, but maybe yeah. we'll save that for the next one. I would love, yeah, I'd love to do a follow-up with you because this is really interesting. I want to pick your brain a little bit more on the stat side and then, yeah, let's talk cryptocurrencies because that is something that uh, I think uh, a, a lot of viewers would, would love to, to hear about. And then we can t- chat a little bit more about um are flying lessons. <laughs> what are you flying right I now? I love that. Uh, just a Cessna 172. Yeah, um, yeah. The I fly 170... out of Guelph. Oh, do you? The aerodrome yeah, there? There's I, a so... school there. Oh, there's an actual school. I, I contemplated yeah. it because I've actually got a brother who's in Guelph and he, he did it at the same time I did. So we've done our ground school and now we're just in, well, he, he hasn't been in a plane yet, but um, yeah, I was <laughs> like, okay. well, we, we could do Guelph. I know it's, it's a very different sensation. The first time you start flying, right. It's like um, you're, it's a, yeah, you're not in a large, uh, large plane. You're, you're definitely in a smaller um, plane. So it's, uh, it's the best, man. It's, it's so cool. The greatest it is. rush of all time. Although I, <laughs> I, I love did... landing a plane. Oh, good for you. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to stick the landing. You know, I can get it down. It's just not, uh, not the most graceful landings. My, my flare is terrible. It's been a few, it's been a bad bounce and two balloons. So yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Just go around a, every time you're good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing I've noticed is there's a lot more air traffic now that we've got Flair and WestJet and a few other large airlines. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to get into the pattern and, and uh, land. So um, yeah. might be looking. Maybe scary <laughs> for you guys. Yeah. I especially commercial airliners go past our south end of our runway. And I'm like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> Yeah, it, it can be a little little scary. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Guys, uh, if you want to reach out to Sarah, I'm going to leave her contact information below. Um, again, she is with Trillium West, um, and I'd love to have you back, Sarah, on another uh, episode. So stay tuned for that. That would be the most fun. Thank you so much for having me. 